0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on V the
4: Sports Betting Network.
0: Hour number two of Sharp Money, live from downtown
5: Las Vegas. It is Bar Canada at the D. It is our first Friday of NFL games to talk about, so let's get right into it. Amal Shah is here. So pleased to be joined on the desk in studio by professional NFL handicapper Steve Fezik. You just heard him on the Gil Alexander Megapod, which just came out, and I I felt kind of honored, also sort of insulted, which is a great combo, that Steve came on. Name-dropped me after my uh, historic upset loss in tennis to the great Todd Wishnev. so I'm glad that that was still... In, in, in front of your mind, Steve, uh, over a year later, which I'm, I'm kind of honored at that you would be thinking of me, so thank you.
0: Buster Douglas only paid 40 to 1 when he beat Mike Tyson, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there were people that uh, purportedly cashed with 110 to 1 when um, Todd Wishnev Played so far above his normal level that his nose will bleed for
4: a year. Pretty much. Were you you using a frying pan like Andy Roddick? Well, it was. (laughs) All right.
5: I won the first set 6-0. And admittedly, I I basically pulled a Texas Tech, you know, took my foot off the gas. I was like, all right. Todd kept saying, well, that was a close 6-0. It was a close 6-0. It was not a close 6-0. But to his credit,
0: he won the next set. I tell my son, if you win 6-0, I said, you know what? Go ahead and try, experiment a little bit. Don't be beating anybody, bagel, bagel. Let them have a couple games. You'll be fine. They'll build character. I'm sure something similar happened. Uh, I, I, I
4: like was. that. I wasn't expecting that, Steve. That's pretty good.
5: Okay. Let's look at CFez giving out tennis advice. We're going to give out a lot of NFL advice. I want to start, though, just from a, a power ratings perspective from last night. I, I told them all, I found it ridiculous as we got closer and closer to kickoff. I understood the loss of Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey were massive for Kansas City. But were we really in a position to believe the Chiefs on a neutral field were giving on how however you you value the home field for Arrowhead two or one and a half point favorites on a neutral against Detroit because I thought that was insane I bet Chiefs money line at minus 195 obviously I lived to lose that bet but I I the right thing to do and now we come out of that and go, is there an overreaction
0: to be made? Or is that really real where we're at between the, the difference between the two teams? Yeah, it gets difficult when you get multiple stars out, right? So you look at a power rating. I don't think I'm on an island here uh, with these guys healthy. Kansas is about a six. They're about six points better than average team. That's pretty much start of the year where the best team in the NFL is. And Detroit I got one and a half points better. I think I'm not on an island there. So I've got Casey four and a half better on a neutral. Well, then we take one off for Kelsey. We take one off for Jones. And then we've got to start to think it to ourselves, but um, maybe these guys, maybe they'd be worth the point on some other team, but boy, are they really important for this team. And we really saw it, that wide receiver crew. <laughs> Mahomes played out of his mind. Mahomes is God. Really and, is. And fourth and 25, no problem. I'll just throw it out yep. there. And Todd Wish never would have caught that ball, but <laughs> yeah. not their, their receivers.
4: You know, St- Steve, I'm so glad you brought that point up. We were talking about the drop by Sky Moore earlier. Kadarius Tony on that same drive on first down and 10. It is unbelievable the throws that this guy makes. I remember Dustin and I were watching the game together in the first half. There was a throw. We thought the ball was intercepted, and it was actually caught. I don't, I don't remember who it was. There was another throw of uh, Valdez Scantling. Ben, I was actually surprised he caught the ball. Because I have yet to see him actually consistently catch the ball. I mean, it's usually alleged that he caught it. I mean, when you look at these receivers, they're trying to try the Patriot system. We're like, hey, we're just going to plug guys in with Brady and we're going to go.
0: Yeah, and I think this is power rating wise. I think we're in agreement here, Ben. We're not going to upgrade Detroit much. We're not going to. I yeah. mean, we're going to certainly bump them maybe half a, half a point. So we'll make them a, a two. But to, Kansas City, clearly, we got to bring them down. Uh, with the, both these guys still. You know, I actually recommended playing Jacksonville week two on Gill's Megapod, I believe, or maybe it was on the show, but Jacksonville was catching three at home against Kansas City. They're not going to be catching three anymore, even if one of these guys comes back. Um, but Kansas City, maybe maybe we lower them to three and a half points better than yeah. average average team. That'd, that'd probably be where I'll, 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 I'll go with them if they're missing these guys. For
5: the books, by the way, that do the look aheads, it has been adjusted. Chiefs now laying two and a half on the road in Jacksonville. So you've got, you've got the point already. And that's where it'll become interesting. You know, we start as we begin in week two, and I realize we haven't even gotten to week one yet, but just from, you know, you're always looking forward And it's like, how do you now factor in the the cluster injuries, especially to stars like you have in Kansas City, along with now situational spots that come up where you have a Chiefs team off the the first ever loss in the Mahomes era when the defense allows 14 points or less and with extra rest. That's where it now I think will become very tricky for a lot of bettors going forward. Because
0: now the spot arguably is good for Kansas City. Off of the loss, do you really want to fade them? Well, the numbers, the power ratings are going to say yes, but um, I don't think we're going to expect Kansas City to start one and five this year. So probably fair.
4: I, I would agree with you guys. I think this two and a half is a good take on Kansas City here. Three additional days of rest. Uh, Jaguars in a division game against the Colts. We'll see what happens there. I would expect them to eke out a win. I don't know if they cover it. I wouldn't want to lay that number on the road with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But overall, guys, if you look at the game, there were, and, and, and I hate to say this because in the NFL, there's about four plays that determine the entire game. But these are catches that, I mean, you feel like 90% of the receivers in the National Football League would have made this team these guys couldn't catch a cold standing on the arctic circle well in the pick 6 i mean a
0: dropped pick 6 so that's yeah. an 8 point yeah you know, 9 point swing on one play the uh when i looked at the box scores i was actually shocked because i said oh, i'm going to look at this box score and the chiefs are going to you know have dominated and they didn't you know the box score said it was a pretty close game all in all which surprised me but obviously you add in all the yardage that got dropped by these receivers and uh, kansas yeah. city i would say if they had, to, you know, it's interesting if I always do this, what's getting our time machine, go back and, and play again. You know what? Yeah, I guess Kansas say still going to be a, a three and a half point favorite. You know, I don't think we, we, we go to three. Maybe we do. Maybe we say KC three, but four and a half, five, too high. For sure.
5: Well, and you look at the thing we talked about in the first hour, something that is very hard to quantify within the actual power rating number. If, if you're doing the handicap here and it's a head coach and Dan Campbell that is. He's, he is all over the place when it comes to the comments, the in-game decision-making. There were some good, there were some bad. Where, where do you go with him when you're, you're looking to you know make a line and he's still a young coach, relatively speaking, to a lot of other guys, has made great decisions, but also makes some head-scratching ones as well, every game, pretty much.
0: Yeah, well, I, I liked how aggressive he was in general. I like aggression. You know, it was interesting. I had, I didn't have a problem with the fourth and 25. I don't think it was the right call, but it wasn't a horribly wrong call with Mahomes. I had the one person on Twitter... And I'm sorry I'm not attributing it to him, but it's actually brilliant. He said, you know, the optimal play was for Kansas City on fourth and 25 to run backwards to their own nine yard line well their own 10 and go out of bounds. And the reason being oh, is yeah. because then they're down one. Right. They're, they still have their timeouts. Detroit can't get a first down. They're probably not going to get in the end zone. They're going to kick a field goal, and Mahomes is going to be down four with the ball. It's a lot easier for, for Detroit to get a first down from the KC 30 than from the KC 10.
4: That's an excellent point. However, if Sky Moore could actually catch the football, <laughs> we're not even having this conversation. No I doubt. I mean, that ball, I, I could not have gone there and handed the football too many better. And the ball was right on the yard marker. So with his momentum, he would have fallen forward. We would have had the first down regardless. But I tell you what, the one thing it does concern me a little bit with Detroit. They get stopped. Uh, I don't know where you come out. I was not thrilled with the decision to go for the fake punt on fourth and two. I thought it was an unnecessary gamble too early in the game. You know, I'm, I'm fine with,
0: okay. but, but even though if it's mathematically wrong, I love fake punts and fake field goals. And here's why I'm all, even if on that one play, it's wrong yep. and it, and the risk reward doesn't justify it. I like directionally, hey, we're the underdog. So let's, let's make the game more, more volatile, more variance. And also now every team you play the rest of the year, Has to say, oh, they could, this crazy man could fake a punt from his own 12 yard line.
4: Great rebuttal. I like that point you made. And that is, I'd rather have my offense try and execute it. I I always, whenever teams want to run fakes, to me, it's an indictment of your offense. Do you really believe that your special teams is better at executing your play? I get the element of surprise and fake, but if it was a yard or half a yard, I'd be much more apt to do it. Two yards sometimes. You know, it was like that uh, play Gibbs had earlier in the game. He was going to score on that handoff, and he blows a tire. And and Mm -hmm. my point is, if somebody ends up slipping or falling, it didn't happen. They end up scoring a touchdown on the drive. Detroit had two touchdown drives and a pick six. So there is still some concern with this offense that looked like they were really able to move the ball effectively against this Chiefs run defense. You only put up two scoring drives. One included a stop where you had to go for it on fourth down and you're inside your own 20. I, I don't think we should be planning the ticker tape parade right now in the state of Michigan just yet.
0: I agree. And like I said, only a half point upgrade yeah. on the power rating. And, you know, Lou Holtz said this when, when when Notre Dame beat Miami and, and Miami tried, you know, a trick play. He's like, they don't think they can beat us straight up. They got to use trickery against us. And so you, 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 the one team's like, boy, our coach really doesn't believe in us. You know, we have to try this. So sure. that, there, there is that locker room aspect, the mental aspect of the game and confidence. It,
4: to Steve's point, that was the one thing I thought, Ben. I was like, man, this sounded like an era of desperation. I'll go back to a bad loss of Ohio. Ohio State had against Florida in the national championship game in the Fiesta Bowl. They went for it on fourth and one at their own 29-yard line down by 14 points or whatever, 21 points. I go, right there, you're telling your team you can't stop the other guy. That was my only feeling on that. But I still would
0: agree with it because a team that's down 14 in that situation, more than likely, you can't tell me they're not going to be faced with a fourth and nine later in the game that they're going to need to convert. So if you're going to have to face a fourth and nine down the road, you may as well go for it fourth and one. I would
5: just love to see a team uh, on a a national spotlight game as well, do the run backwards on fourth and 25 just to see the entire internet explode. Even though the point that you were citing on Twitter, very very good I would just love to see it actually play out and, and watch the announcers like have zero idea of how to interpret it because you know there are so many things that you have. if you go and listen to the megapod you guys talked about a number of scenarios that are now starting to be more mathematically accepted but you are we're still kind of a ways away from coaches actually adopting it and you kind
0: of wonder, when does the pendulum swing to that side? To summarize, the word is out. Everyone knows you're down 14 late in the game. and You score a touchdown. I mean, sharp fifth grader knows you go for two. You know, what? I mean, literally my son, that's obvious, dad. You know, to, to the decision tree, you win 62 and percent of the time instead of 50 percent if the teams are equal. And yet all the time, the announcers, I, I, not in the country is aware of this. They're like, wow, well, they're going for two down eight,
4: huh? I want, I want to address a couple things. First of all, to get that job, you have to have a stupidity in football. You can't be smart about it. I mean, it's unbelievable how many times, uh, you know how many times Mike Tirico is wrong on the math? He's like, oh, if they had not gone for two there, I'm like, buddy, there'd be a two-point differential. Do you not, are you not able to do the math? It's, it's unbelievable how inept they are when it comes to that aspect of it. The other thing is, though, in reference to that, how come nobody's blaming Aaron Glenn on that fourth and 25? Pass, rush four, maybe a fifth guy if you want. Why are you not, your defense should have seven guys 15 yards off the line of scrimmage or further back. How is it that the ball drops in over two defenders? Can you explain to me on a fourth and 25, a fourth and a quarter of the football field, how you allow that it, to happen? It was
5: shades of Ed Donatel, fourth and
0: 26, of the Fred, Freddie Mitchell catch
5: in Philadelphia. It, if you wanna, it
0: really was. If you want to catch a 60-yard bomb all right. You know, it, yeah. b- 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 my quarterback falls down, whatever. My safety yeah. falls down. But you but you are not going to complete a 26-yard pass on fourth and 25. And you know what? If, if you can do a hook and lateral and somehow get it, that's, that's, fine. that's fine, too. But that's unacceptable that a guy, it, it, it's. what do you think he's going to throw? A 26-yard pass.
4: No, that's exactly right. And, and to Steve's point, Ben, how is it that the defense wasn't, their depth wasn't enough? The, you, the ball should not fall right over, right at the line, the yard, <laughs> line to gain.
5: So many, que- like, so many specific things. You say, what, four you know four plays a game can decide an outcome? You could make the argument last night there were about a half dozen that completely flipped the game one way or another. But we're not here to look back. We're here to move on. We'll talk about some mistakes bettors might be making in general in Week 1 with Steve Fezzik when we come back. Dive into the whole NFL Week 1 card on the other side right here on VEASAN Sharp Money.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is Sharp
3: Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Get rewarded before you ever place a bet with the G Bank Visa signature card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G Bank Visa Signature card can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You'll earn a 1% cash rewards on gaming and sports app loads every time, and 2% on other purchases. G Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to G.bank slash Visa slash V S-I-N. We're joined once again. It is Sharp Money by Steve Fezzik, professional handicapper. You follow at Fezzik Sports, talking all things NFL Week One. We were about to break down the full card, Steve. But first, like a lot of betters, they've been waiting all summer for this opportunity, this moment. Maybe they've been ignoring the lines. Just now, they're pulling up their sports books and seeing what's on offer. What is some? Of, so, what are some of the mistakes you see betters do, especially Week One specifically? We start a new year guns blazing, ready to empty the clip on the bankroll that that maybe can be avoided if
0: folks are tuning in right now. So you correctly introduced me as a professional handicapper, but really, I'm a professional better, first and foremost. I'm a math geek. I'm much better, Ben, when you tell me who you like and I tell yeah. you how to bet it, all right? Because it's really different s- skill sets. And... One of the biggest mistakes I see the teasers. People want to play teasers. Teasers are getting unplayable. So at DraftKings, you can still lay minus a dollar twenty on the six-point teaser. That's really good right now. So that's um, I believe that to be very beatable. If you're doing the long teasers through the two, through the six, but other places like Circa, like South Point now are charging minus a dollar thirty. God can't win playing a six-point teaser long term. Minus a dollar thirty. I'll bore you. I won't bore you with the math. Go read Stanford Wong, my friend's book, Sharp Sports Betting. He'll explain why. Um, but what's worse is some people will tease five and a half point favorites. So they'll tease things like the Vikings or Seattle or Jacksonville this week. So think about that. That's essentially you're betting that team to win. And what the math is, it's two legs of a teaser and the first leg you're essentially, I know you don't think you're laying minus 280, but you are. Trust me. That's what the math works out to be. Why lay minus 280 on Minnesota to win? Just play them on the money line minus 235. So think about that. You're paying 45 extra cents to say teaser when you walk to the window to play money line and it's an identical bet they've got to win the
4: game yeah ben uh, steve brings up a great point especially when you get some of these numbers and you use minnesota and jacksonville as examples if you see the money line and if you were to parlay those two together on the money line sometimes the number will come out more favorable than the teaser number of minus 120 or let's say 130 even for example so take that into consideration when you're looking at that that's going to be crucial
5: yeah i mean the thing i was talking about last night where it's also just you know being able to line shop and compare, all right, where is the number? And, you know, with the way the Kansas City number went, it got way, way below where I think most people would still even consider teasing. Sure. It down to basically four close. But that could still be an example where I looked at them last night, threw in a, a two-teamer with, with Baltimore Moneyline, where Circa was 75% cent, uh, below the market on Baltimore. They were about 15 cents below market on Kansas City. And you're getting minus 115 on a, on a two-teamer. If we, I wonder for you know a lot of betters, they probably don't even I don't know how many people think that way where they're like, well, let me just kind of shop around and see where I can get on these two teams instead of just, well, now I'm so glued to the teaser because it's been hammered in our minds. Over the last couple of NFL seasons, that's just how
0: you have to bet. And it's fine to tease stuff like Baltimore when Baltimore's 10. All right. They put the kibosh on the teaser. I can't tease it yeah. down to below three. You, you can't tease to three. You got to tease below three. But now Baltimore's nine and a half and nine in some spots opportunity. Obviously, we're not going to tease it to three. We're going to get it down below. If we have to use a six and a half point teaser, or even a seven point teaser, you bring it down below that three. And Baltimore suddenly becomes a very attractive teaser. Well, I need things to tease it with, but there's, there's a, a plethora of long teasers on the dogs, including the Cleveland Browns against the Bengals. You get them up and above seven. Um, one thing about these teasers, I tell you what, I don't really want to tease them one and a half to a seven and a half. I want to get it to eight and a half because we talked about the prevalence of the eight landing yep. more often in the
4: NFL. That's becoming a more important number. I
0: feel a lot safer getting eight and a half
4: than getting seven and a half. And to Steve's point, think about this in the Kansas City game. Had the Chiefs score to go ahead touchdown. Let's say they convert that Sky more play. Instead of getting a field goal, they get a touchdown. It's going to be on five, which is the crucial number. They're going to go for two. Now, we would have never said five is a crucial number in the past, but they would have gone for two. And if they miss it, you could potentially wind up with a game landing on five. So Steve brings up a great point with this being a little bit different Situation than they have been in the past. Steve, real quick, wanted to get your take on a lot of people will bet recreationally just for entertainment purposes. Where do you come out on that in terms of how people approach that? I have a very strong opinion on that, and I just want to get your thoughts on it.
0: I actually think this would be controversial. That, uh, and I'm trying to be a gentler, kinder physic here yeah. in 2023. Wait, hold on a second.
4: It. I object because I think you're one of the nicest people off there. I don't know about the Twitter or X, whatever. I'm never on there, but I'm saying in person, you're a very nice person.
0: There's like in, in the movie Gung Ho, like the children are completely misbehaving when this boss <laughs> comes over and he goes, That is neighbor's child. You know, <laughs> like my, my children wouldn't wouldn't be that way. I wouldn't be that way. Um, but as far as recreational betting, I think it's fine. Like, think about it. You bet 100 you throw a dart, bet on a team. How much does that cost to you? I can't believe it blew $100 on the Chiefs. You didn't. You blew $4.54. That's the theoretical hold. Think about the entertainment value. You go bowling, it costs you 8 bucks a game, right? You go golfing, it's going to cost you $125 for a round. You'd spend $4.50 and get a drink ticket or two to have three hours of entertainment.
4: It's fine. Explain to people how you come up with the four fifty-four on that because they're still putting $100 on the bet. And if maybe people, let's say for the NFL season, they got $500 to bet with. They've lost 20% of what they're going to potentially bet or whatever the amount may be. Uh, Just kind of expand upon that because you're a numbers-based guy.
0: Yeah. So week one, you bet 110 to win 100. And you lose. And you lose 110. The next week, you bet 110 to win 100. You win that week. Okay. So you're wagering $220. In that case, you're going to lose 10 in the long run, going one-on-one. So uh, for every 220, you wager, you lose 10. In this case, I I, I risk 100. So it's a little. So it's. Maybe, I'm sorry, you're losing $5 a week. You can, you, you'll, you'll be fine.
5: <laughs> not going to, not necessarily going to break the, break the bank on that Well, I think the other thing too, we talk about, you know, for recreational bettors, I mean, regardless of your bet type, you're wanting to get all the information you can, getting the best of the number. Those are very basic betting principles. But when, when we've looked at, you know, week one is almost, it's, it's an individual animal because lines have been out since May, essentially. So I, I wonder how you look at that, where, you know, bettors might come in now. I mean, I think a lot of us can be thinking the same way if we aren't betting in May, Let's say you come in and, and there are certain games that have moved to point, point and a half since summer. But we still like where they're at. And if this was maybe week six and we'd missed out on the best of the number, we might go, all right, that's a stay away. I almost look at it differently for week one because of the, the majority and the length of time these numbers have been up. Where do you stand on that?
0: Yeah, so it, it's uh, there's some art as well as science. You know, the bottom line is for whatever reason, I'm not sure I can explain it. Dogs have barked so hard. If you go back to the year 2000. And you blindly bet every underdog. You actually made money. It's 53%. Um, and there are some subsets that are much stronger than that. Now, it turns out the divisional dogs are the ones that really have driven this train, especially the home divisional underdogs. So in general, I'm looking to play dogs. So this week, I like Washington Commanders. I think Arizona is going to be atrocious. But I think that line will go even higher. So if you want to lock it in, lay the seven right now. Um, By the way, I have unconfirmed reports that every single person in Survivor is indeed going to take Washington. (laughs) It's going to be a (laughs) a 9000 player chop if um, if they go ahead and lose in week one. Uh, But I do think it is certainly the optimal play. Because when are you ever going to want to play Washington? Um, But other than Washington as a favorite, I got to tell you. I would look towards every underdog, except for the Texans in less than 10. I won't play the Texans at less than 10, but every other underdog, uh, it's on my radar screen to play right now.
4: I'm not going to ask you this question in subsequent weeks, so I'm only going to ask you because it's week one. I don't know if you're involved in Survivor or not. If you are, or or even if you're not, who would you play in week one and what would you give out as a pick? I And to me, the big thing is, look, people are like, well, everyone's going to be on Washington. Here's the thing. You're not going to win this thing in week one. But you got to survive in advance. This is the NCAA tournament for 20 weeks.
0: You got, it's like you're you're the US Open, right? And it's the hardest par four. And it's like, well, maybe we don't need to birdie this one. We can go ahead and and take the par. But Washington's a slam dunk, and here's why. Because optimal strategy, obviously, Baltimore. Is, is more likely to win, but then, you, then you've then you blown Washington, Baltimore out of your, your range to play the rest of the contest. And you're not going to want... Washington will not be a seven-point favorite the rest of the year, so use them here. Now, if everyone played optimally, then I couldn't use it. But you know what? People don't play optimally. There's going to be some people last night that took the Lions for, by example to win. I mean, people will play underdogs in Survivor, and I, I just, without going through the math, I strongly disagree with that strategy. They'll play both sides of a game. I strongly disagree with that crazy option. But there'll be plenty of people playing plenty of other things. Yeah. Will 50% of the field play Washington? I would think really 80% should play them. But if, if I said over/under, how many people will play them? I'll go 55%. You go over/under.
4: Over. I would go. I'm going to go under. I think. I think we get like 60. End up going Washington. I think it's prudent. I agree with Steve. I'll tell you right now, and I told Dustin this. I'm not going to discuss this afterwards. I'm taking Washington. They lose, they lose. I don't care. But it's the right play in Week One because the point Steve made, and this is very important in Survivor, any contest you're involved that's in similar to this, where you can't use a team twice. There is not a single spot in the rest of the schedule with Washington where you can use them. Yes, sure.
0: and, and Ben, to answer your question, I am in, in uh, Survivor. I just entered three. I, I, I max bet my entries into millions. Millions has the overlay, and it, this shows how bettors are not logical. Bettors want to have fun, and actually, this is logical because it's not about making money, it's about having fun. And Survivor is a lot of fun. You know why? You're playing in a poker tournament, you're the chip leader. Yeah. That is fun. And every single person in Survivor, each and every week you remain alive, is indeed the chip leader. Okay, maybe their they, their path is more difficult. But contrast that with being in the millions. I've talked to Gil about this. You go three and two in millions. You have negative e- equity. You'd rather have not played. You're like, how can that be? I'm at yeah. 60% because you're busted on the quarterly prize. You can't even win that anymore. And your chance of winning it all has gone down despite hitting 60%. Sure.
5: Did you did you enter Survivor only after the Chiefs win or the Chiefs lost last night? Yes. If the Chiefs had won, I would not have even entered because
0: I'd be. some people would be 1-0 already against me. It's a great point. I have
5: a buddy who had all 10 entries on Kansas City. And voila. Now he's Wait a minute. overlay. You, you, bury, you bury the lead overlay. Yeah. I'm was not, it, I'm was not it at the circus? He's going to rebuy. He's yeah. going to rebuy. Rebuy. He has the bankroll to do it. I, hey, I'm, it's not me. I, I'm not. That, I'm not that guy. I don't have it. We'll dive into all, all these specific NFL games. Line movement galore. Next with Steve here on Sharp Money.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v the sports betting network.
5: Nobody knows football like VEASAN, and now's the time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for college and pro games every week. Our picks page recapping all the best bets from guests and hosts throughout the day are in one convenient place. And this season, we have a top VEASAN experts leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. And our betting splits let you know where the money and bets are moving for every game. The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings betting data every five minutes. So you can see changes in all the action. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Pleasure for us having Steve Fezzik in studio for one more segment here, Professional Better. You follow at Steve Fezzik, and we're getting into some of these specific games, Steve, you're you're targeting here. Week one, very unique week relative to the next 17. We'll see in the NFL season, a whole lot of divisional games with uh, injury implications here. Want to start in Cleveland, where Denzel Ward, the cornerback, cleared from concussion protocol today. Joe Burrow set to make his return at QB, and we are seeing the market. It's been... This is probably the one game, Steve. It's this is teeter-totter the most all summer, based on the Burrow training camp calf strain, the the some of the inclinations on maybe cluster injuries for Cleveland in the secondary, but. Doesn't seem like that is actually going
0: to materialize. So where do you stand now that we're pretty much at two market-wide? Yeah, so it was 2.7 at one point, and I, a couple threes did pop, and I got a little taste of Cleveland. And then down to one with the questions about Burrow, and now Burrow's going to play, and we're back to two. I got to tell you, Ben, I don't think I'm going to get that plus three on the brownies. I don't yeah. think I'm going to need the plus three. You know, the great thing about, you know, when you're a pro better Sometimes you're not disappointed when you miss out on the three. You know why? Because then you get eight and a half because then you can tease and basic strategy when a spread is like two and a half, never, ever, ever it. Why asymmetric risk? If I can get a three, it's a disaster to take a two and a half. So I just wait it out until I'm absolutely certain that I'm not going to get it. And if I want to bet it plus the two and a half and I miss it and I get two or one and a half, who cares? It's unlikely to land two and I can still tease it up to the plus eight. So I'll be teasing Cleveland if I don't get the three, which I don't think I'm going to get. And it's looking less and less likely. But I'm, I go back to that Halloween where the Browns just go ahead and, and trounce them. I go back to last year when Burrow had the appendicitis and wasn't good in September. I go back to the underlying numbers for the Bengals. 5.4 yards per play on offense and defense last year. I'd kind of be surprised, actually, if the Browns don't win. This might well, at plus three, this would be my biggest bet of the week. I'll still wager on in plus two.
4: Yeah, I think the Browns are a team that, Ben, people are overlooking. The talent is there. The offensive line is almost as good as anybody in football. Tremendous running back in Nick Chubb. You've got Deshaun Watson, who a couple years ago was one of the upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's see if he can return to that status. If he can do that with his mobility, I think it puts a lot of pressure, as Steve alluded to, on that Cincinnati defense. Hendrickson and Hubbard are going to have to get home at some point in time. If they don't, this could be a long day for that Cincinnati secondary. Sir,
5: at two right now, most of the market, circa Westgate, a couple books. If you paid attention to the books here in Nevada, now down to one and a half. I, it'll be interesting to see where that that goes because I mean and that's why I'd say for now like you could easily see public betters come in oh Cincinnati very popular team to make a big run Joe Burrow just got paid we're getting under a field goal I, I don't know we're, get, we're not gonna probably get three but at least you know two and a half to a teaser through
0: three and three and eight is definitely possible to quote my my um one of my favorite movies, Wall Street of the 80s. So, like, I don't know what to make of it, Gordon. Like, the public loves Cincinnati, but the spread is dropping. It's like, I'll tell you what to make of it. Your union buddies are <laughs> yeah. talking. And they're talking about how Cleveland's the right side. I do think Circa, with the highest limits in town, is the leading indicator. Yep. And they're telling you, you're not getting three. And you may not be getting two come Sunday. Probably greed fair. is good. And I'm all yeah. shawl line. Greed <laughs> is right.
5: right there. Uh, another divisional game where we've seen some injury throughout the week. Uh, Green Bay we're now seeing the market go back against the Packers Uh, this is a spot where Christian Watson officially ruled out the wide receiver today by his head coach Matt LaFleur and second wide receiver option Robio Dobbs is questionable at this point Look, pros have been all over the, the Packers since the summer when they were catching three from Chicago. How, how much realistically do you view the Watson loss here for Green Bay and how, how much of that even factored into your handicap in the first place
0: as someone who likes the Packers? Well, I, I liked the Packers is the problem because I'm one of those that was betting the Packers with both fists during the summer and then the Bears O-line got all their cluster injuries and most of these guys are playing but they had to shuffle their guys around. None of them really moved the needle but boom, that was really important and I loaded up on the Packers. I even had, I knew it was going to come down and took the plus two and a half even the plus two, teased them but now, the Packers have their own problems because now they have their unproven quarterback without any weapons. And neither one of these guys really moves the needle at all. But when they're both hurt, that's a big problem. You know, I think the sharpest move here has been on the total because if the Bears have a bad O-line that's compromised and the Packers have no playmakers, how are we going to score here? And so I agree with the move, big move on the under.
4: Ben, you, liked it. you like your Packers here and Steve's on the same side there. This line continues to drop down. I have a feeling by kickoff, depending on how people view the wide receiver injuries, this could be a pick em.
0: Yeah. I, I would have made Packers favored. Now I'm not so confident yeah. with the wide receiver issues. Sure.
5: I, the only, yeah, my hesitation, I, I talked about it earlier in the show. It's just Green Bay, second worst rush defense a season ago. It is one of the couple of rushing quarterbacks they will face in Justin Fields. So how does that matchup actually play out? We're going to find out 4:25 uh, Eastern uh, there on on Sunday. A couple of games where I you know I look at some of these line moves and I I find myself a little bit confused here. So you as the pro can lay it out for us. Uh, Philadelphia and New England, a lot of lot of respected love for the Patriots taking this this game down now to pretty much four market wide. But we we you've, it's been established that offensive line injuries, especially when it is a cluster and a whole group is really really limited has a huge impact on the point spread in general even if the individual parts don't so with this patriot offensive line in complete shambles why are the better still taking the pats here down from four and a half five now down to four market wide
0: super bowl hangover it's real um eagles had a cupcake schedule last year they they were they were a really solid team and they were i had them rated the same as kansas city in the year they lose five guys on the on the defense in the middle um you figure that belichick has a long history of mucking up games like this where he might lose 19 to 20. I'm on the under in this game. You know, I just read um, some of Billy Walter's book. And, like, that's one of the things he shows, you know, S- Super Bowl loser week one. And, you know, and, and in September, good spot to bet against. Not that that book is gospel or anything. But, um, I mean, it, it, it is a factor that I'm, I'm not rushing to bet underdogs week one. And I'm certainly not rushing to bet the Super Bowl hangover team. I could see, you know, New England hanging in there, losing by three.
4: Like you're calling the under here, I think that the Patriots are going to be in this game and win this game. It's going to have to be Ramondre Stevenson on the ground, Mac Jones uh, with some opportunities when they present themselves. Uh, But I I like to play here under 45. And you mentioned it. I think they're going to be able to attack this running game. Uh, They lose Hargrave, who goes to San Francisco on that defensive front. That's going to be a big blow to the uh, defense for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sure.
5: 45 still painted in the market. You can find that plenty of spots where you shop as Steve Fezzik joins us here on Sharp Money. This is, a I think, right up your alley, this, this game, Steve, Miami and L.A., because a lot of the, the professionals have looked at two teams in the the Dolphins and the Chargers is pretty much about equal on a neutral, and yet we see the Chargers get that full three-point respect when anybody who's watched football, especially Charger games over the last few years since the move, whether it was Carson, California, or now SoFi Stadium, would say there is there is no way, no way possible that the Chargers get a full three points for home field advantage. So so what gives here
0: on a game where we, we do see the Chargers getting that three-point respect? Might give them a minus one in crowd noise Seriously, in a lot of these yeah. games where like when they play a team like the Steelers, is nothing but, but Steelers interesting. I talked to Will Hill about that. No, he prefers the Dolphins. I did the same analysis as him. I had them equal. Home field's worth one. I'm, I'm getting all this value. And then I did a little more research on this game, and I'm not as optimistic. You know what concerns me a little bit? These teams played last year, and the Chargers were horribly injured on defense, and they just shut down Tua despite it and won 23 to 17. So, I mean, it's one data point, one prior. I don't want to overreact to that, but um, I'm a little less optimistic based upon what I read and the fact, you know, Chargers had a lot of injuries last year. There are some guys that I know that are extremely, that I respect, extremely high. They're saying, "You, you missed the boat here. The Chargers are indeed better than Miami by a couple points, Fez. It's
4: going to be a good game. I'll tell you what, I can't touch this game, but for me, this is going to be arguably maybe the best game of the weekend to watch
5: yeah it's one of those i'm not i'm not touching it simply because this is as healthy as i can ever remember the chargers being in a single week i mean there's there's really no injury issues whatsoever which yeah. i mean how how often have we ever said that we're still 48 hours well, okay, away I, the chargers you never granted, know granted i know I derwin james is
4: limping <laughs> off the field he's, <laughs> you know, he's stepping off the bus he turned his ankle looks like he's going to be it's out it's not
5: my fault all right if, if anything uh, anything <laughs> happens here um, outside of the games we we just touched on the other one you know i've seen various opinion and kind of dueling opinion in, in, in the movement between the Raiders and Broncos you're Some really respected guys love Denver and bet that up to five earlier in the summer. Uh, what gives in, in your mind on that move? Now we're down to three and a half market-wide. Um,
0: another movie was d- d- Disclosure with Michael Douglas. Another movie was like, well, what happened? Why isn't this working? You know, with this, this line move on Denver. Well, well, the, well, the specifications got changed. You know, someone yeah. went ahead and changed the air filters on, on this product. What changed? Well, Denver's great week one and week two at home. All right. And part of that's teams aren't in game shape. And then they go to Denver and they get blasted. Oftentimes, actually, they don't get blasted. They wear out and they lose close games. So Denver, over like the past 20 years, it's been a solid spot. Not so much against the spread, but straight up. So Denver was like two and then they were three and then they were four. And then a very well-respected, I'll say right angle sports, released Denver. Minus four and it flew all the way up to five. Nothing but respected sharp money in Denver. And then Jerry Judy went out and went down three months after that release and all of a sudden you're looking wait a minute patrick got hurt already for denver what are the and the raiders no i make the case other than the steelers no team had as good a preseason as the raiders did yes. a lot of that was their backup quarterback playing so well but with optimism about the raiders and cluster injuries now at wide receiver you know, I think the Raiders are the right side. I think it's going to be a very close game. And the Raiders seem like they've had distraction after distraction the last few years with Gruden and with um, off-field um, off issues. And finally, they can play undistracted. It should be a field goal game. I'd look Raiders. Of course, Chandler Jones had other ideas about that
5: uh, over, the, <laughs> over the last couple days. But alas, a line that, based on where it's trending, could easily get back down to three. Would, I agree with think. that. Steve Fezzik, hey, this was a blast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Go Browns. Best bet, Browns. <laughs> there we go. All right. Follow him at Fezik Sports on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. As we're continuing here, Sharp Money, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. More NFL Week One slate. We hammer it home when we come back.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw
0: on VSN, the sports betting network.
5: The NFL is here in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download now and use code SHARP to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting $5. That is code SHARP only on DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL, the Crown is yours a big thanks to professional handicapper better Steve Fezik for joining us for the last forty five minutes here on Sharp Money. Mike Samich, now one of our own hosts, does the handle on weekends with Matt Brown. Mike will join us in about fifteen minutes talking college and NFL. Week two in college, week one in the National Football League. We have a lot of games still to discuss, though, all because we've got uh, fifteen games remaining on the week one slate. A lot of movement back and forth, right around key numbers, especially. Go to a team, uh, we, you and I discussed a lot this summer, the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Three-point favorites pretty much painted against the Tennessee Titans, but the juice has been shifting a lot on that as we get ready for the Titans and Saints. Very interesting interconference conference matchup. And we'll start with Mike Vrabel looking to, to break down this spot. And What do we get out of a Titans team that has been very good with Vrabel as a dog in the past? They're trying to do it again, opening the season in New Orleans.
6: Well, I think probably with a veteran quarterback, there's probably going to be some concepts that – you know, he, he, you know, Derek really likes so that he's really comfortable with, but you know, also I think that there's an element to, to what the saints have done and and will do. Um, but I would imagine that there's some things that, that Derek's liked through his, his career that, that he would want to put in there.
5: And we look at it so far now of all, and this is a game like I, you know, I looked at my own ratings. I, I feel like three is a totally the right number, but you then think about the coaching mismatch perception wise Dennis Allen for New Orleans Mike Vrabel for Tennessee uh, you think about where the some of the betting splits are at Dustin points this out almost three quarters of the handle on Tennessee about uh, half the bet so far on the Titans coming into this game. Now that there's no hooks available, now that we're at three, how how would you tackle this one given where we're at with both teams?
4: Well, I tell you what, with this number, I'd stay away from this game. I think it's a tough game. I think I'm not a big fan of this Tennessee team, but you mentioned a coaching advantage here, Tannehill, experienced quarterback, Derrick Henry, a great running back. For my money, the best running back in football uh, with all due uh, respect towards uh, Nick Chubb and uh, Christian McCaffrey. But the question is, can the perimeter be effective for this team? The skill position, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, uh, those guys are going to be crucial. On the flip side, New Orleans strength is the defense. No defense in the National Football League was better than those guys over the last 10 games of the regular season, Ben. That's going to be key. And then how does Carr take advantage of having a healthy um, receiving core this year? You know, Michael Thomas be back in the mix. This team's got an opportunity. No Alvin Kamara in this particular spot, which is a big, big blow to the Saints team. But this is still a team that's very dangerous, very effective or potentially effective on the offensive side of the ball. But I got to wait and see approach here with New Orleans. I'm not going I'm not enamored with them sure. right now.
5: Look, a lot, lot of intangible things. You talk about coaching that would lead me to want to bet Tennessee uh, as we welcome Dustin back to the show. Welcome back, by the way. (laughs) Toss it back on with us. It's so hard for me to bet a a completely battered and a disheveled offensive line in week one on the road in a tough place to play. It's why it's a stay away for me.
6: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm higher on the Saints than the Titans this year. But it's not because I think the Saints are better than the Titans this year. I just like the Saints situation in that division. That's the only reason why I'm higher on them. Uh, I don't think the Titans have a lot of weapons and I do not want to bet against Mike Vrabel. This is a complete stay away, but it's a game that is apparently getting a lot of action on the dog, getting a lot of action on Tennessee. I think the sharp people really like Tennessee. They think they're undervalued in that AFC South this year. I don't see it, but I also think Mike Vrabel knows more about football than I do. So maybe he (laughs) might be better, but they're they're a team later in the year. I plan on fading because I just I don't see the weapons for them making sense. And then for New Orleans. They have a a new quarterback, and uh, Dennis Allen is still a head coach in the NFL, and I still don't understand how that's a possibility in 2023. Sure.
5: Look, a lot of the books, too, market-wide, whether whether you're betting in Nevada or rest of country, a lot of those threes now juice toward Tennessee, and I see one book even down to two and a half. So kind of wonder if that
6: keeps how low does it go before you want to take the saints yeah Yeah,
4: i mean to dustin's point dennis allen with the raiders four and twelve four and twelve oh and four with the saints seven and ten career record of 15 and 38 just to clarify from a winning percentage standpoint 28 percent win
6: percentage (laughs) and like doesn't fit today's nfl at all like he is a defensive old school guy like i don't understand this and the defense is good I actually think the offense has a lot of potential if they get things worked out. Derek Carr is like one of the most confounding players in the league to me. I think I said it the other day on the show, Ben, you weren't here. I said, I don't think he's as bad as the people who hate him think he thinks he is, but I also don't think he's as good as the apologists think he is. Like he's, there's, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But is that good enough for the Saints team in a really bad division? I think so.
5: Yeah, and look, as a guy who last year, 21st in completion percentage over expectation plus EPA per play. Guy who's pretty much, he's been mediocre. And granted, that was a career worst year for Carr a season ago. But you have an offensive line that isn't that great to begin with on paper. A running back room without Alvin Kamara at the start yeah. of the year. Wide receivers who are who have not proven an ability to stay healthy and Rashid Shahid is already questionable with a groin injury. So I think there's a lot of questions you can ask on New Orleans. I'm curious what Derek Carr to say, by the way. We've got that sound from Derek Carr. He's set to make his Saints debut at QB.
4: Yeah, I feel very confident. Um, that is one thing about me. Uh, I will never lose confidence, whether it goes really
5: great or doesn't go so great. You know, I you know, always believe in myself and believe what I can do. But we've put a lot of work in since you know phase one in April and all the way through until now. And uh, I'm you know very confident. But you know that only doesn't, that doesn't always equal wins. You know, I just want to go out there, compete, play good football, play the type of football I know that I'm capable of, the type of football I've been playing all off season. Um, you know, through training camp in the preseason and hopefully be able to continue that in the regular season. But it's going to be tough because we got a good matchup this week.
4: He's a football player. Huh? Yeah, as a guy who doesn't <laughs> lack confidence, I don't believe him when he says he's confident. I can tell you right now. Well,
6: no, because if you were confident, you don't have to say you're confident. You just would be confident. Well, the right. other thing is the way he's just it. Here's the thing with Carr. Anytime there's any
4: pressure in the pocket, there's no quarterback in the National Football League that gets happier feet than him. I mean, by the way, is there any quarterback uh, what's perceived to be an offside or something that throws the ball into the
6: ground more than Carr? I mean, like he acts like he gets a commission for every time he does he, it. He's a, he weird things happen with him. Right. Like there's like especially in key moments That's yeah. it's, it's not that it happens like in the second quarter. It's happening late in games. Like my least favorite thing about him is that it'll be like second and six. And for some reason, he'll take or third and six, let's say, but he'll throw the ball 20 yards downfield instead of looking for something easier to, to complete. But by, by the way, in terms of this team right now, you mentioned Dennis Allen. Here's one of the reasons why I
4: would have never hired him as a, a head coach. This guy was a graduate assistant at Texas A&M where he played under R.C. Slocum for four years. I've never seen a guy that was a graduate assistant <laughs> for four years. Four years? Four Did he get two years. degrees? I, I don't know. He got every degree <laughs> uh, that they had at A&M. And, but my point is, how does as Dustin alluded to,
6: this is such a coaching mismatch. This might be one of the worst coaching mismatches all season long. Also, the, with you. there's a lot of players on that defense. You probably don't need the head coach to be a DC. Yes. You would need an offensive guy to maximize the most, especially when you have so much of your cap tied up in a guy like Taysom Hill. <laughs>
5: That's awesome. I thought they had two. I thought there were like literally two degrees on offer at Texas A&M. The A and the
4: M part. But apparently
6: they're, I don't know. <laughs> apparently they're.
4: The third one is to join the cult today. Oh, yeah. yeah there what, you
6: go. what about in this division, a similar line, uh, the Panthers and the Falcons. Yeah. Three and a half for Carolina. But there's no, no DJ Chark. Questionable tag for Adam Thielen who didn't practice yesterday. I, Amal and I do not like Desmond Ritter. Would love to hear how you feel about him, Ben. But this is a situation where. If I was betting it, I might actually lay the three and a half, even though I think Desmond Ritter is awful. Hey, by the way, stop leading the witness.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great way to phrase it. It's fun. I'm glad you brought this game up. This is a game, it seems like there are one or two every year where the entire betting community is on one side of a team, pro and one, t- one side of a, on a team against, and they happen to meet up. And this is what we're seeing, Carolina and Atlanta. I, they're every ember in my body, Amal, I want to fade this Atlanta team week one in a really tight on-paper divisional matchup, take Carolina. But because of the O-line issues in preseason, Frank Reich, 0 and one straight up as a head coach in week one games and a rookie quarterback. Well, you, have, you have a stat, Dustin, on the number one overall quarterbacks, how they do it's It's horrific in their debuts, especially on the road. I just can't get there. Every ember in my body, though, wants to take Carolina plus three and a half. I just can't get there because I feel like the power rating is way too high on this Atlanta team.
4: Well, I don't disagree with you there, but I think overall the talent on offense is far superior to see what you see in Carolina. Dustin had a great stat this week. First overall draft picks at quarterback have really, really struggled. Straight up, there's one win in the last 20 years. That was Derek Carr when he started in the game against the Houston Texans on Sunday night football David against Carr, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Other than that, everybody's got a bagel. Now, Kyler Murray did have a tie 27-27 a couple of years ago. If you remove those two out of the equation, it's dead nut losers on the first overall pick of quarterback. Yeah.
6: So that was for number one overall picks. Yeah. And then another one, number one picks overall who started at quarterback in their first career start Four twenty-one and one straight up seven and 19 ATS.
5: Not great. Not great. Well, and look, but at the same time though, Carolina is a team built on its run defense and its physicality in the front seven. That is the one thing Atlanta does really, really well. So I look at it, uh, the specific matchup when these two teams face off, and I feel like Carolina is pretty well-equipped to stop what Atlanta wants to do extremely efficiently. Now, can Carolina move the ball on offense? That's a whole other question mark. I think it's a big reason why
4: we're seeing this under completely come down. I, maybe I missed it, but did you give Dustin's answer to the question? What's your official assessment on Ritter? Oh, it's ways to go. Ways to go. He's
5: a ways... He's What was the friend for Schiller line? He's, he's two years away from being two years away. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite there, but... There's going to be growing things.
6: Congratulations. Yeah. You definitely have good
4: vision. And by the way, Congressman, uh, what district are you running in? <laughs> Come on. Give us an answer here, I bro. Said I said he's not ready. Oh, that's that's it, exact- listen, I'm not ready to play in the NFL. I mean, that's an obvious assessment.
5: Obviously. Yes, but Ritter's <laughs> not. All right. Mike Somich will. he won't be a politician. He'll, he'll join us next with some real takes on Sharp Buddy.
1: Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids.